the flows of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that Jesus said in John 7, we're going to take a look at this, indicates that the Holy Spirit does flow. John chapter 7, and we'll take a look at verse 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So this clearly says, and it's not, uh, when you see the Bible clearly interpreting itself right there on the spot, pay attention. And the Bible is clearly interpreting what Jesus meant by what he said. When he's talking about rivers of living water flowing out of your heart, he was talking about the spirit that those who believe in him would receive. Hallelujah. Now, the uh, it's interesting that it addresses the word flow, but it doesn't just talk about a singular river, but it talks about Rivers. Oh, yeah. Rivers. That means God's got more than one flow. He's got more than one way that he can manifest himself or one way that he can go ahead and do things. Uh, there's a variety to God and a variety to the way that he flows. And I'll tell you, it is such a wonderful blessing for us to be able to get acquainted uh, first of all, in the word to be able to see what's available to us, but we're not satisfied with that. We're not satisfied with just seeing it in the word and saying, yep, that's possible. That's available. That's a way that God can move. No, we want to experience the move. We want to experience the flow. I'll tell you what, you know, this is not about somebody telling you how good chocolate cake is. Come on. This is about you having some for yourself. Praise the Lord. And you see, the, the idea of the, the Holy Spirit moving, even in the very beginning of Scripture, you see a hint of that. You see Genesis 1-1 that says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then verse 2, you see uh, that the, the earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. And uh, several translations of that actually said the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the water. Hovering like, like he was hovering in anticipation. As though, as though he was just being there ready for what was about to happen. And what happened next? Verse 3 of Genesis 1. You see God saying, let there be light. And there was light. Because God spoke and the Holy Spirit who was hovering and anticipating that moment, once words were spoken by the Father, he was there ready to go, ready to act on those words. And I got to tell you, I, I believe that in, in one sense of the word, we've got a whole lot of time of the Holy Spirit hovering in our midst, ready to act, ready to go. But, but. Well, if he's ready to go, why don't he just go? But we have a whole lot to do 
with what he can do or what he's not permitted to do. And this is big, and I need you to see this for yourself. Ephesians 4 and verse 30. Well, if, if he's wanting to move, why don't he just move? The scripture tells us as believers, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So one thing we need to know is this, and this is very important, that we should not grieve him. The word in the Greek actually meaning to make sorrowful or to offend. So here's the thing. If I want him to feel right at home in the house and to be able to do whatever he wants to do in the house or in a meeting, in a gathering, like a gathering like here tonight, then we don't want to go ahead and do anything to uh, offend him. We don't want to do anything to make him sorrowful. No, we want the atmosphere and what we bring to the atmosphere to be just right, to be a welcoming atmosphere to him, to be able to say, Holy Spirit, in this place, you have willing hearts. In this place, you, you have anticipation. In this place, there's faith in the atmosphere and you can do everything you desire to do. We're not going to offend you. We're not going to go ahead and, and make you sorrowful. Our desire is to make you glad tonight. Amen. Now let's consider this. This is First Thessalonians 5, a section of scripture I often like to call bullet points of wisdom. It says... Rejoice always, verse 17, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Verse 19, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies. But then verse 21 says, test all things and hold fast what is good. Interesting, you got those three verses back to back, 19, 20, and 21. 19 that says, do not quench the spirit. Verse 20 says, do not despise prophecies. But then verse 21 says, test all things, hold fast to that which is good. What does that indicate? That indicates that some is good, some is not good. Some is God, some is not God. But but you can go ahead and test all things and you can go ahead and be able to tell what is the spirit and what is not the spirit. So there's a balancing act there. He's saying don't quench the spirit, but he's also telling you at the same time, you can't just assume that everything is the spirit. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to have a little fun with that tonight. Praise the Lord. So 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 where's where's that balance? Don't quench the spirit. Because a, a lot of times, uh, uh, you know, anything that's out of the, the little box or the little norm, you know, you, you can have a tendency to be rattled and say, oh, boy, that, that's a little bit out of the normal routine or the, the, uh, the, the usual way uh, of, of doing things. Uh, so, so I'm not sure about that. But we don't want to quench the spirit. I mean, God, God inhabits eternity, the scriptures say. How are you going to take him and put him in a box? So the last thing we want to do is put him in a box. We want the fire of the Holy Spirit to burn in us and to burn in our gatherings. We don't want to go ahead and put the fire out. Yet at the same time, there's a way to be able to do that 
and yet at the same time be able to have a way of testing things, have a way of discerning things, whether it's good or whether it's not good, whether it's God, whether it's not God. And uh, how do you do that? The number one way always is the word. And the reason why is the Holy Spirit himself is the author of the word. You got to remember that the, 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 the way that the, the word uh, explains it so beautifully, it, it says that, that men of old wrote and spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So the words of scripture were not just words that, well, that sounds good. I think I'll write that down. Hand me that papyrus. I'll write that down right now. No, that's not the way it happened. Uh, men weren't go ahead and uh, weren't going ahead and writing their own ideas or or inspirations down. No, they were writing down things that were revealed them to them by the Spirit of God. The 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 Spirit of God moved on them, and they wrote down what the Spirit of God was communicating to them. So the number one way to be able to test what is God and what is not God is by the word. And also one big indicator that not just in the context of a service, but even in the context of decision making in everyday life is a biggie, is the sense of peace that you have on the inside. Because he is a spirit of peace. God is a God of peace. So when it's God, there's peace. When it's not God, and there's an absence of peace. And there's no surprise there. So, so, but, but here's the thing. You also need to recognize this, that there's a difference between peace and comfortability. That's big now. That's big. There's a difference between peace and comfortability. You see, you can be uncomfortable and say, oh boy, that's kind of new and different. But deep on the inside, there's something that just feels real right about this. Hey, right on the inside, there's a peace about that. There's a sense that this is God and a sense that this is right. My mind saying, well, I ain't been to a church like this before, or I ain't been to a meeting like this before, but something on the inside says, it's all right. That's the spirit of God, the spirit of peace, and doing what the scripture says he'll do for you, he'll bear witness with you. You know, he'll be a witness. He say, I don't know about this, but he's in there saying, two thumbs up, you're all right, it's good, it's good. <laughs> Amen. So, don't grieve the spirit, and don't Quench the spirit are two very important things that were given in scripture uh, because uh, that, that means it is possible to do. It is possible for God to want to do something and him not be able to do what he wants to do. He was that blasphemy, blasphemy. God can do anything he wants to do anytime he wants to do it. Well, let me give you a good Bible example. Think about Jesus in front of the city of Jerusalem, when he uttered these words, he, and he wept when he said it, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. So their lack of willingness 
hindered Jesus, God the Son, from being able to do something that he really, really wanted to do. Well, in the same context, there can be things that the Spirit of God would want to do in our gatherings, in our services, and not be able to do it. He wants to. It's his will to do it. But if he's grieved, if he's quenched, if we're not willing to go in that direction that he's going, if we're, if, if he's going one way and we're going the other way, then that hinders him from doing what he wants to do. So what I want to do, I want to take the brakes off. Are you with me on that? I mean, I want everything that God's got. The leadership of Faith Christian Center. And, and we just went through leadership transition. But I can guarantee you this. Leadership uh, prior to Sunday and leadership after Sunday <laughs> has this heart that they want the presence of God manifest in this house. Hallelujah. And I know that's very much in the heart of Pastor John and Pastor Chris as well. Now, let's look at some of the variety of these flows. We may not get to all of them tonight, but I I just want to go ahead and explore it and show you a a biblical basis for it. And, And just by knowing it's available, it gets you hungry for it. See, you, you don't have a, a desire or hunger for something that you don't know exists. <laughs> you see, see, my, my mama, she's probably listening to the service tonight, and, and, and uh, she's a great blessing. And I'm not going to make a butt after that statement, because I'll get slapped if I do that. But I will tell you this, just as a little illustration. All my 18 years of growing up before graduating high school and moving off to Bible school, I never had eggplant, especially eggplant Parmesan. Never had it, heard of it, but never had it. And, you know, you don't have it. You don't know what you're missing. You don't care if you're missing it. But then one day as a Bible school student, I had me some eggplant parmesan. And I remember what I said to somebody. I said, I need to talk to my mama for holding out on me all these years. <laughs> now, I mean, she wasn't holding out. I mean, she made lots and lots of things. But I found something that I really enjoyed that I had never had before. And prior to that, would have never been hungry for it because I didn't know much about it. Oh, I'd heard of that vaguely off in the distance somewhere, but now this is more than some, some thing you, you once heard on a commercial or, or a TV show or, 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 or once, uh, uh, saw a picture in a food magazine or something. Now I know what it tastes like, what it smells like, and I had that experience and I want to have that experience again. Why was I hungry for it? Because I had knowledge of it now. And so when you have knowledge of a way that God can flow and a way that God can move, hey, then then you are in a position to be able to say, I want me some of that. I I don't want to go through life 
and not experience these things that I know God's got for us as the body of Christ. No, I want to experience all the diversity of the flows of the Spirit of God. One thing he wants to do, and it's interesting, I didn't plan it this way, but, but as we were opening up tonight, I talked about the, the, the fact that God wants to refresh us tonight. Now, in, in that context, I want you to look at this verse, Acts chapter 3. It says, repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Now, I know we got a room full of people that, that have varying experiences. Some of you been in church every Sunday. I mean, you, you're not missing a thing. So some people, you know, you, you hear sometimes, not often. Some people aren't in church very often at all. And, and so we, we, we got a whole lot of, uh, uh, you know, a, a whole lot of diversity as far as people's experience. But I got to tell you, a time of refreshing sounds good to me. A time of refreshing sounds, I hate to be so redundant, but it sounds refreshing to me. And it's interesting that, that as you, as I examine this word and some of the other, uh, words that, that were, or shades of meaning that, that you could pull out of it, it, it talks about literally a cooling. Now, when you're hot, it's good to have a cooling when you're hot. <laughs> hey, amen to that. Refreshing, obviously. Uh, listen to this. Recovery of breath. And revival. I mean, revival then recovery of breath really meaning the same thing. Because if you're losing your breath, you're dying. <laughs> but but when, when you recover your breath, what, what's happening to you? You are being revived. So think about this. A time of refreshing. A time of cooling. Someone say that would be very cool. Hey. Uh, a time of recovery of breath where, where, where the, it, it's interesting that what happened when everything was dead in Ezekiel's boneyard, when the, uh, chapter 37, he saw a vision of this valley full of dry bones. What was the cure? Prophesied to the wind, God said to him. And command breath, hey, breath to go back in, in, into these bodies. Uh, among other things, one of the commands that God said was to go ahead and speak and prophesy to the wind. And say, breath, come on back into these dead bodies. And what God wants to do is he wants to revive us. Where we've stopped breathing, he wants to breathe breath into us again. Where we've become dry, he wants to refresh us. When you feel like you've been working out in the hot desert sun and, and, and you're dehydrated and, and beyond, beyond your strength, beyond what you know to do, he said, I want to bring some cooling your way. Times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. Don't you want some of that? 
Think about this, Acts 13, verse 52. It says that the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Don't you want some of that? I got to tell you, you know, uh, and, and, and I mean, everybody has days, you know. I have days, you have days. But, but, but for the overall, uh, uh, in the overall sense of things, uh, I, I like to have this view of life where, where, uh, where, where I, I just go ahead and focus in on, on joy and, and the joy of the Lord. And, and you, you know, just like to tell people sometimes, I tried being miserable once, but I didn't like it. So I decided not to go that way. Joy is a whole lot of a better flow. And I got to tell you, that's something that God's got for all of us. Not everybody's going to have the same personality. You know, not everybody's going to go ahead and do things exactly the same way. But I got to tell you, deep down in your heart, God does not want you to be miserable. God does not want you to be down and in the pits. God wants you to be filled with joy and filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible actually says in Romans 14 that the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And I got to tell you, one of the things that God wants for us is to take our medicine. What do you mean, take your medicine? Well, the words of Proverbs says that a merry heart will do you good like medicine. Hallelujah. And it's interesting that something in your heart, in, in the spirit of you, can actually have an impact and an effect on your mind and on your body. That joy in your heart, merriness of heart. What's, what's that mean? Well, we say Merry Christmas. We're saying Happy Christmas, Joyful Christmas. So when you have merriness of heart, joy in your heart, what does that do? That has an impact on the rest of you. Rather than you having a, 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 a receiving of every negative thought into your mind, you, you now have a filter. It's a joy filter. And you say, you know what? I know it, it, it might look this way and it might look that way. But I have made my determination that I'm not going to let anything steal my joy. No situation is worth it. No person is worth it. Pardon my snap, somebody. Hey. (laughs) But I tell you, nobody and no thing is worth giving up my joy for. Hallelujah. I like the, the old gospel song that said, This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. Hey. So thank God for joy. And and this goes right along with times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. This does you good. This this does something in the deepest part of you. As a matter of fact, uh, what what, what it does, it's, it's actually... Like we said, medicine to you. 
This is medicine. You know, my wife and I have a good habit. You want to know what a good habit is? Is that when something goes wrong, <laughs> well, or when something didn't quite go according to plan, we together say, ha, 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 ha. You say, well, you're just putting on laughter. Yeah. Well, hey, you know what? You, 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 you're not, but, but what we're doing, we're not putting it on like we're putting on an act. I mean, you know, what we're doing is we're putting it on as an act of our faith, not as an act like we're putting on a show or, or, or trying to prove to each other how spiritual we are because we both know how unspiritual we might feel at that moment when you just got some kind of news or just got had a certain kind of day that went a certain kind of way. But, but the, the, the aspect of faith is, is when I'm going to go ahead and rebel against the kind of day I had or rebel against the kind of news I just heard because it tells me that I should be down now or depressed now because of what I just heard or because of what I just felt. But I'm going to go ahead and rebel against that and have joy anyhow. Joy anyway. Times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. That's what he brings. He brings joy. Do you know that Jesus was a joyful guy? Oh my, I didn't plan on going here, but I might throw a surprise on the, uh, whoever's in the booth tonight if, if they'll let me. But we often hear about Jesus as being uh, and it's, it's scriptural. It, it talks about Jesus as being a man of sorrows. How many of you ever heard that? And when it comes to his redeeming us, he surely was. He became a man of sorrows. He became acquainted with grief. He bore pain and sickness on him. He bore sins upon him. But you see, that was what Jesus became in the context of what he needed to do to redeem us. Did Jesus live his whole life that way? Well, let me tell you how Jesus lived his life. Something you may not have known about him. This is Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 9. So whoever's running the verses tonight, if, if you can get this, that's great. If not, y'all got you version in your phone. You can look it up yourself. But this is worth looking at to consider. This is talking about Jesus. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness more than his companions. That means there's nobody out of all Jesus' companions who had more gladness than he did. Right there in the Holy Bible. Woo! Think about this. That we talk about the anointing and understand that the, the, the Holy Spirit is the anointing that the, the Holy Spirit being poured out on us is like the anointing being poured out on us. That's 
anointing oil. See? One of the ministries of the anointing, one of the manifestations of the anointing is right here. The oil of gladness. And Jesus had more gladness than any of his companions. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me too. I want some of that. Hallelujah. I want some of that gladness. I want some of that joy. Glory to God. I want some of that 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 will cause me to say, like like the the prophet Isaiah mentioned in chapter 61, where he said uh, that you will have beauty for ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning. That's M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. And the garment of praise in place of the spirit of heaviness. Do you want that kind of refreshing from God? I said, do you want that kind of refreshing from God? That is available to us. Times of refreshing in the Lord, joy in the Holy Spirit, and the very same oil of gladness that was on Jesus is the very same oil of gladness that's available to us. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and go a little further. Let's look at another uh, way that the, the Spirit could flow and manifest himself. And especially in the area of the healing of physical bodies. Check this out. This is Luke chapter 5 and verse 17. So we're talking about different flows of the Holy Spirit, different ways that he'll manifest himself. Uh, It says, now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, I want you to understand that healing is in one sense always available to a child of God. Because it's bought and paid for. The same blood of Jesus that was shed to redeem us from our sins is the same blood by which we can say, by whose stripes we are healed. Or by his wounds, some translations say, we are healed. So thank God for this. But I want you to see that uh, even though you, you can, uh, in one sense, say, well, of course, the, the power of the Lord is, is always present. But there are times when there's a, a, a particular emphasis, a particular uh, move of the Spirit in a certain way that, that is even deeper than the fact that any time I use my faith in a certain direction, that, that if, if I use my faith to reach out and get something from God, I can get that thing that I want to receive from God, you know? If it's provided in the covenant, if, it, if I got his word on it, if, if it's a promise, and if it's a provision, then I can have it. But there's times where God will just get involved in the atmosphere. And, and this actually, uh, you, you, you can see the wording here, that, that there was something present in the atmosphere with a specific purpose, that the power of the Lord was present 
to heal them. And I want you to know there's a healing flow with God. There's a healing flow. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Who wants to get in on that tonight? Yeah, thank you, Lord. Glory to God. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Lord, for your healing flow tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Backs. <laughs> Backs being healed. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Legs being healed. Thank you, Jesus, the power of the Lord. Present to heal. Oh, glory, 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 glory to God. Wow, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Yeah. Someone say, Lord, I want everything you got. I want everything you got. Yeah. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. That's one chapter. Look at the next chapter, Luke 6. Verse 17. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem, from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases, as well as those who were tormented with the unclean spirits, and they were healed. Verse 19, and the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him and healed them all. Glory to God. The power of the Lord, once again, present to heal. And you know, the very same thing happened in the book of Acts. Glory to God. You know, you think about uh, one point in Acts chapter 5, it talks about Peter and the multitudes would put people in the streets so that, the, the, so that at least... Uh, Peter's shadow might go ahead and get over him. And then after that, it says that a multitude gathered. Multitude. That's lots of people. I'll give you a hint. And, and the word multitude is the word multi. Multi. Like multiply. Hey, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem and brought sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits and they were healed. The healer, Jesus the healer, 
the very spirit that he was anointed with is the very same spirit that is in the world today that if you're a believer, he's indwelling you today and is the very same spirit that wants to go ahead and flow and manifest in our gatherings. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Are you hungry for that? It's interesting that Paul, when talking about the gifts of the Spirit, and, and or you know what some call gifts, some call manifestations of the Spirit, and you you've got uh, nine, you've got uh, 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 speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues and prophecy. You've got uh, the gift of faith or the gift of special faith, some might call it, uh, uh, the, the working of miracles, the gifts of healing. And then you've got discernment of spirits and the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. But Paul would use a term that is very interesting. He said, desire uh, earnestly the, the best gift. Well, what's the best gift? Someone once said it so eloquently, they said the best gift is the one you need at the moment. Hey, the one needed at the moment is the best gift. But the Bible does say this in in very clear terms. It says that we should covet or desire spiritual gifts. We should desire the move and the flow of God in these various areas, In, in the area of Miracle power, healing power, as far as God saying things to his people. And the, the multitude of ways that, that he, he would be able to do that. But it's interesting, why would we be told to desire these things? Because to desire these things is really the first step to start to have faith for these things to happen, to start to expect these things to happen, to start to seek the Lord and be hungry for these things to happen. And what happens to hungry people? What did Jesus say? Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Are you hungry for times of refreshing? Are you hungry for times of joy? Are you hungry for the power of the Lord to be present to heal and to drive out unclean spirits? You know what? Don't think they all went away somewhere. You know, there's there's crazy spirits in the world today. Some of them might have learned how to act a little more sophisticated, but they're just as crazy as ever. (laughs) And some of them aren't very sophisticated at all. But they're the unclean spirits in the world today. But the same cure is available 
the same powers available, the same power that was healing these bodies was also driving out unclean spirits out of people. Glory to God. So that's another one of the various ways, various flows of the Spirit of God. Can you say in one more? All right. How about this? When he's so good, you just can't stand. And you thought, oh, I know what he's going to say. He's going to say, when when God's so good that you just can't stand it. No, that's not what I said. I said, when God's so good that you just can't stand. How many of you, and I know we've got people that are new and people that have been around for a while, but how many of you have have, have seen people being uh, prayed for, having hands laid on them? And you see some people that just, you know, go back to their seat. And then you see somebody that just go ahead and falls out right onto the floor. Well, let me tell you, there's two possibilities. One possibility is that they just fell out onto the floor. One possibility is that they got so weighted down with the glory and the presence of God that they could not stand anymore. Now, you know, so, so, uh, when you talk about this, yeah, that preacher's pushing them. I saw that preacher push them. Yeah, pushing them down. You know, you, you know how people can be. Because you see, the, what they'll do, they'll, they'll, they'll see one instance of, of pushing and they'll say, yeah, they're, they're all like that. But no discernment to realize that you know, there ain't no such thing as a fake $3 bill. Why? Because there's not a real $3 bill. But if there's a fake of something, there's got to be a real of something. Can we look in the Word and see the real about when God's so good that you just can't stand? Hey, Second Chronicles 5. Verse 11, knowing therefore... Oh, no, no, that's 2 Corinthians. I want 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles 5, verse 11 to 14. I hope that wasn't autocorrect that did that. I started putting Chronicles, like C-H-R-O-N, abbreviation, and I put C-O-R-N or something like that, you know. Autocorrect. Right out of the pit sometimes. Lord help me. All right. But hey, I, I, I know it might take a minute to get that. But, but let me go ahead and start reading this for you. And you can follow along with me if you got your Bible, you got your phone. Second Chronicles 5, starting with verse 11. All right. And it says, And it came to pass when the priests came out of the most holy place, For all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions. And the Levites, who were the singers, all those of Asaph and Heman and Jedithan, with their sons and their brethren, stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, 
having cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps, and with them 120 priests, sounding with trumpets. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one. Isn't that interesting? Something about unity. Come on now. When the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud, so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Now, that there in the original King James says this, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. That means the priests were, in order to fulfill their ministry, do their priestly duty, could not stand up. Weighted down. Well, what was weighting them down? The glory of God. Because one thing that I need to tell you about glory is that one of the meanings of the glory of God is literally the weightiness of God. That's why the Bible uh, says that these, uh, uh, you, you know, the, the, these hard times we're going through, uh, over in the Second Corinthians 4, it talks about this, that th- these hard times, you know, th- that you're dealing with, it's just working for you uh, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Weight, not W-A-I-T, but W-E-I-G-H-T. Weight. There's something about the glory of God could also be talked about as the weightiness of God. That, that when the weightiness of his presence comes down in a room, that it's going to hinder your mobility to some extent. The scripture says it here, that the priest could not stand to minister. They could not continue what they were doing or do what they intended to do because of the weight of the presence of God, the weight of the glory of God that filled that place. Are you hungry for that? Hallelujah. Are you hungry for some of that? Because I got to tell you, there's something about the presence of God, you know, and yeah, you, you know, you may always have some people that just fall out no matter what prayer line they're in. That, that, that's why you have ushers down here to catch them because you don't know who's in the spirit and who's not. So, so having an usher here, you know, they're safe one way or the other. <laughs> but I got to tell you, you know, uh, the, the, there's, you know, people uh, look at certain things and don't realize the authenticity. You know, they can look at something that they can scoff at and make fun of, but a lot of times don't, they miss the authenticity 
of what God can do. As a matter of fact, John was the only gospel writer that recorded this, but this is really powerful. In the 18th chapter of John, when he's recording the arrest of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, uh, and they're, they're all gathering in. Judas comes in with, with, with all of the, uh, uh, the, the army there with their clubs and their swords and so on. And Jesus utters these words, who are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And so what did Jesus said? He says, I am he. <laughs> as soon, the scripture says, as he said, I am he. It says that those people that came to arrest him fell backwards to the ground. I don't know about y'all. But I know about me. If I went to arrest a guy and he said three words and it knocked me down to the ground just the sheer force of him speaking three words, I, you know, I, 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 rather than put the cuffs on him, I say, man, you just put the cuffs on me. You got something I don't got. You, you got power I don't got. But Jesus spoke three words. He said, I am he. Now, there's also so many other places in scripture. You, you see uh, the, uh, the apostle John uh, in the book of Revelation uh, uh, using this statement that, that, that as, as Jesus appeared to him, he said, I fell at his feet as dead. And the Lord came and raised him to his feet, said, fear not, I am the first and the last. But I got to tell you, uh, uh, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, you see this, that someone in the presence of God, uh, experiencing the presence of God, the power of God to such an extent that they either could not stand or they fell to the ground. Yeah, but, but think about this, and, and you know, in the, the ministry of the prophet Ezekiel, there were some times where the Lord raised him back up to his feet. I mean, think about that. You know, we're all talking about falling down. What happened when the Lord takes the one who fell down and get him back up again? But you see, these are uh, supernatural flows of the Spirit of God. Now, is God just looking to knock somebody to the floor for no good reason? No, certainly not. The thing is, is that the, 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 the reaction to his presence, the reaction to his glory, it was the inability for the priest to get up and minister, the, the inability for them to stand and do their duty. Uh, uh, it, it was the reaction to the power in the words of Jesus that caused an army to fall down to the ground. But I want you to know that God's not just looking to knock down people just for the sake of knocking them down. It's about the glory and the presence of God having such a deep 
work on the inside of you that 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 you being knocked down is, is just one part of it the, the the real work that's going on is not you being knocked down to the surgeon's table but it's the surgeon doing the work inside of your heart that'll change you make you a different person cut out that thing that's been in you that's been bothering you for all these years that you've tried to cut it out you've went to therapists to get it cut out you talk to people to try to get it cut out and say i can't figure a way to get this out and one moment in the presence of God in the glory of God and this thing that you've been uh, haunted by your whole life is dealt with just like that and you get up from that moment in the presence of God and you say it's gone it's gone it's gone it's gone whoa hallelujah so that there is just the beginning to talking about the various flows of the Spirit of God. More to come. More to come. Hallelujah. I think I'll be with you again two weeks from tonight. And we're going to pick up here again. But let me leave you with one statement as we talked about this. Uh, especially the, 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 the instance of of people uh, falling down under the power of God. Uh, a, a mentor of mine and Pastor John and many others, Kenneth E. Hagan, made this statement. He said, when the natural comes into contact with the supernatural, something's got to give. <laughs> when the natural comes into contact with the supernatural, Something's got to give. Well, what's going to give? It's not going to be the supernatural. It's going to be the natural. Because the supernatural is superior. Now, here's the thing. I know the devil's got supernatural. Yeah, we know that. We know that, that he can disguise himself as an angel of light. We know all that. But I got to tell you, even though there's supernatural on the evil side, I want you to know that evil supernatural is trumped by God's supernatural. You got supernatural, but then you got the super supernatural. Yeah, you, you, you can have the devil showing off and doing things that, that are supernatural and, and, and doing things that are intended to scare and intimidate and enslave people. But, but I gotta tell you, God's supernatural power will put all of that to silence. Just like Moses when he stood before Pharaoh and Moses with the rod of God in his hand put his rod on the ground and it became a serpent right there in front of Pharaoh. And the guys, the, the, the magicians in Pharaoh's court said, we can do that too. And they threw their rods down and their rods became serpents too. But what does the scripture says? The scripture says that Moses' serpent swallowed those up. And then Moses picked that serpent up and it was a rod again. So let me tell you what the supernatural, supernatural, super supernatural power of God can do. Three guys came to Pharaoh's court holding sticks. And one guy left holding the stick. That's what the power of God can do. Glory to God forever. Hallelujah. So stand up with me and just say this. Lord, I'm hungry. Lord, I'm hungry for everything you've got.
I'm hungry for every flow of the Spirit of God. I want everything you've got for me. Those that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Thank you, Lord. We're getting filled in this house. Someone say, we're getting filled in this house. Because we're hungry in this house. And we're getting filled in this house. Thank you, Lord. If there's anybody here tonight or anybody watching by live stream that, that does not know the Lord Jesus or, or you may have known the Lord and gotten off the tracks and you want to get the train on the tracks tonight, I would love the opportunity to be able to pray with you. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to pray a prayer all together right now. And then uh, if you are... Um, uh, if you'd like to, to come and talk to me after service, that's fine if you're here. And if, if not, uh, the, uh, if, if you're watching my live stream, uh, please do contact us because we want to be able to help you get started on the right road again and, and send you in the right direction and give you some things that will help you on your journey with God. But let's pray this together. Uh, for, for anybody that, that might be uh, praying this for the first time and making a commitment to the Lord for the first time, come and see me tonight because I would love to be able to go ahead and celebrate the moment with you and just spend a few minutes with you. So let's pray this together. Father, in Jesus' name, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died for my sins. I believe he was raised from the dead. And right now, I choose him. And I declare that he is my Lord and my Savior. I will not go the way I've gone before. I'm doing a U-turn tonight. I'm repenting tonight. And with your help, Lord, I will follow you and only you all the days of my life in Jesus' name. Amen.